Line, live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on another beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area on Wednesday, April 12th, 2023. I'm Jacob Goins. Joined with me always is Carter Bird here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Lots to talk about today as we get uh, into the NBA playoffs. Uh, We'll talk about that just a little bit and how Auburn and how Auburn players did in the NBA this season. A couple of them in the postseason, a couple of them are not, but we'll talk about some big names from Auburn that uh, had very, very good rookie years in the NBA. We had Christian Clemente on yesterday. We'll recap that and kind of talk about what he had to say about Auburn football recruiting, a little basketball recruiting as well. Uh, So we'll recap what that was about yesterday. Then, coming up in hour number two at three o'clock Trey Wallace is going to join us who covers the SEC for OutKick a good friend of the program he'll join us at the top of the hour to uh, talk about all the things going on around the SEC as spring games uh, wrap up and some still have to be played but we'll talk about the the notes from spring practice uh, right now around the SEC so looking forward to having Trey back on the program so that's what's coming up today here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line Carter happy uh, happy Wednesday man hope you're doing well happy Wednesday it's a good day uh nice and beautiful outside as it is every the middle of every week yeah and don't you worry though it's supposed to rain tomorrow (laughs) every we we don't we don't get nice sunny clear weather even remotely close to the uh, weekends anymore nope no we just uh we got to deal with rain for the next couple of days and so hopefully the way or the uh, the weather holds off um we have lots of baseball games going on over the next few days auburn high plays tonight over on 96.3 w lee uh auburn high hosting central and you can join scott bagwell on the call right at five o'clock top of the hour there uh, you can join scott bagwell as auburn high baseball taking on central at home on the auburn high school sports network on 96.3 w lee and then tomorrow they go to central for a double header so the rain uh looking like it may hinder that just a little bit also uh, lee scott baseball we have a double header on au 100 that's 100.3 on your radio dial that is against edgewood uh and the rain is threatening to cancel that as well so hopefully not hopefully the rain holds off but uh we'll just have to see how that goes but again tune in tonight for auburn high baseball over on 96.3 w lee with scott bagwell on the call on the auburn high school sports network taking on the central red devils so you know, if you're around this area, you know uh, just how heated of a rivalry that Auburn High and Central is. It's always a fun time when those two programs get together. So again, that's on 96.3 W. Lee. But phone lines are open today. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. You can call in anything on your mind in the sports world. We'd love to hear from you. Comments, questions, and concerns. Uh, you can also tweet at us at ESPN1067 on Twitter and reach out to us there 
as well. But we'll start by uh, recapping what Christian had to say yesterday. Christian Clemente of Auburn Undercover and Auburn 247. Uh, We had him on the show yesterday, and if you want to go back and listen to that, you can. uh, Go and find the podcast on the line wherever you get your podcast or at ESPNAU.com. He had a lot of good things to say yesterday about the massive recruiting weekend that it was for A-Day on Saturday. Uh, Just so many of the biggest names in the state of Alabama. Some of the biggest names across the country were on campus on Saturday, and Christian told us that it seemed like it went pretty well with those recruits in Hugh Freeze. Yeah, I mean, I think it. even though you didn't get a public commitment, I think you made a lot of progress. I think you um, got a bunch of big-name blue-chip recruits on campus. That cannot be understated because we've heard um, staffer after staffer, head coach after head coach for years talk about the fact that, hey, if you can get them on campus at Auburn, Auburn sells itself, and you and you got a chance, but you got to get them on campus. Well, this staff is having no issue getting players on campus. They're doing it all the time. It's it's impressive. It really is, and it's. I mean, you're seeing multi-time visits for Cam Coleman, Perry Thompson, KJ Bolden. Uh, those are just five stars off the, off the top of my head. There's more down that list. Uh, today, Christian Clemente with the news that five-star wide receiver Terry Bussey uh, is visiting Auburn this weekend. So, I mean, there's they are very capable of getting these guys on campus, and when they come on campus, they are talking about it. They're loving their time here at Auburn. They're talking about how it's different with the staff. They haven't gotten this much attention from any head coach other than Hugh Freeze. And, you know... The more you and Christian makes a great point about this when we've talked to him the last couple times. When you've got a bunch of high ranked kids, highly ranked kids that come off a visit and just rant and rave about their visit, then that catches the ear of some of the other highly rated players around the country. And they're like, Mm -hmm. what's what's going on over there? Like, maybe I need to go check that out. And so I think that's what you're seeing happen I mean I think I think that's a reason why a guy like Terry Bussey is going to be on campus this weekend well think about just today's era in today's world where we are just driven and relying on technology and word spreads like that I mean it it, it is out into the world so fast and that's how all of these uh teenagers and you know 17 18 year olds they're all talking to each other through social media and through texting and phone calls. Like, that's how the world works. And so Christian's absolutely right, where if a big name comes on campus and loves their visit, they're going to talk about it on social media. And given what uh, a site like Auburn 247 does, where Christian goes and talks to these kids and puts videos out about them um, talking about their visit and stuff like that, that gets out to the world. And that gets in front of a lot of these other players. And so, yeah, I think it's a big reason you're having a big wide receiver come this weekend. I think it's a reason you had the amount of players you did this past weekend. And how about during Big Cat Weekend when 
over double the amount of players that were supposed to be here showed up, right? There were hundreds of kids on campus that day because well, that, that, I mean that wasn't the official Big Cat weekend. That was just a junior day. Well that that's right, junior day. That's right. Big Cat's that's right. coming this summer. That's and right. I would imagine that's gonna be just astronomically huge. You're gonna have yep. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids on campus and it's I tell you what, I mean, I think we might see a big cat like we've never seen a big cat mm-hmm. with this staff. All by word of, well, not all by word of mouth, but a lot of it by word of mouth. And the fact that the biggest names in the state and some of the biggest names in the country are talking good about Auburn football for what seems like the first time in a long time. And you have to give credit to, to Hugh Freeze and this staff. And you had talked about, Carter, you had brought up how a lot of these guys are here for their second, third, fourth, fifth time to be on campus. That is huge because you obviously did something right if these guys are planning multiple trips to come down here and not just multiple trips. A lot of these guys, especially this past weekend, there was a handful of them that were not just here on Saturday. They came down a day early and they spent Friday and Saturday on campus. And I believe we talked about that just a little bit on how significant that is because not only were they here for a day and for the locker room and to talk to Hugh Freeze, right? They came down that day before to live in the life of an Auburn football player, to see what it's like to be on campus, what it's like to live and be a football player at Auburn University. And the, the more of those that you get, that is what will sell this place because, as you said, Auburn sells Auburn. And getting to know what your life would be like in this place, in this situation, is huge. And the fact that Auburn had multiple guys do that over the weekend, I think speaks volumes as well. Yeah, 100%. And I'm just, we're waiting for that first. I feel like it's your, it's pressure building up at a dam right right now. It's building up, building up, building up. All you got to have is, is a crack. All you got to have is that first domino to fall. And I feel like things are really going to come crashing through, come come cascading through. And I'm I'm looking forward to who that next one's going to be. And if I had to guess, I think it's going to be relatively soon. I would say so. I would I, absolutely I say so. so. Yeah, I mean, there was there were uh, there was a possibility you could get one from this weekend, uh, but I think I think you're going to see some commitments coming very soon. And I and you talk about that the the dam being broken, right? I think it's coming. I really, really do. And eventually, if things continue to go the way they are, Auburn's going to take everybody by storm and jump up the recruiting rankings like they already have. I mean, Auburn has a chance to secure top 10 and top 5 classes over the next few years. And Auburn has not sniffed the top 5 in a long time. And so I think you are seeing the the, the groundwork be laid. We've, t- we've said it about setting the table right everything is the table's being set right now and eventually it's going to be served and Hugh Freeze is going to be victorious now I said this yesterday as well yes you can get the best recruits and yes you can get the biggest names you still got to win on the football field we don't know what that's going to look like yet obviously got to wait for the fall but we actually have some games to talk about but you're doing all the right things in the offseason and coming out of the spring 
football aside, I think Auburn fans, and I hope Auburn fans, are excited and revived, maybe, is the word I'm looking for, just about what's happening with Auburn football recruiting. I mean, we, we, we had this discussion with Christian. It's just we feel so much better about it now than yeah. what we have the last five years, and it's refreshing, and it's exciting, right? It's exciting for us to sit here and talk about the fact that there are huge names on campus, and there are 50 to 60 guys on a weekend that are here, and that Auburn actually has a chance to land some of these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's exciting for us to talk about it, and we hope it's exciting for our listeners as well, and and I just, I, I know that Auburn fans are excited to know that when a big name releases their top 10, or their top 8, or even their top 4, you're seeing Auburn pop up in those all the time now. Yeah, 100%, and 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 I've looked at the top, what, 12 uh, in the state of Alabama. It's a bunch of four stars and a bunch of five stars at the top. Auburn's, I think you can look down that entire list and think Auburn's got at least a shot with everybody on there, which I'll be honest with you. When's the last time we said that? It's been a long time. When's the last time we said, hey, top 10 in the state of Alabama? Because in the latter years of Gus Malzahn, in the Brian Harson years the entire time, uh, to a much more significant degree, you looked at the top 10, top 12 guys in the state of Alabama, and you kind of just said, maybe three? Maybe three guys come to Auburn? Probably two. And a bad year one yeah. with Brian Harson. But right now, Jordan Ross, I think Auburn's right there. Perry Thompson. Perry Thompson might as well buy real estate at Auburn at this point with the amount of times he's been here this spring since January. Um, Jalen Mbakwe, both of those are Alabama commits that have been to Auburn's campus multiple times since January. Cameron Coleman, who lives just down the road, it feels like he's been here five or six times since January. Mm-hmm. Uh, Demarcus Riddick, we know he's been on campus. Jaquan McRoy. Bradley Shaw, everybody on this list, everybody has been on campus. Even the kid from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, who has a parent that works for the University of Alabama, Kevin Riley, he's been on campus. Like, they are they are going after the best of the best, and the effort and the attention that they give each of these guys and the FaceTime that these guys are getting with Hugh Freeze, and everything that encompasses elite recruiting, they're making such an impact that they have a chance. Auburn's not going to land all 12 of the top 12. Get out of here with that negative. But wouldn't it be something if they split the top 12 with Alabama? Mm -hmm. When's the last time that happened? It's been a long time, man. And that's what I'm saying. It's just the momentum is building. The excitement is building with with Auburn fans, with Auburn media. And there's good reason for that. It's not fake. We're not lying to ourselves this year. This is real. And I think you are seeing just an unbelievable effort. And it's going to pay off. It is going to pay off for Auburn and Hugh Freeze. you got to win on the field. That's fair. But you're going to get some big recruits this cycle and in the next few cycles where it's a full cycle where you don't start from behind, 2024 has a chance to be really exciting for recruiting. But think about 25, 26, 27 if Hugh Freeze is still here. 
Yeah. Those classes have a chance to be legendary. Because you're going to be on equal footing with every other staff in the country because recruiting is becoming more and more of a multi-year effort because of how everything's getting scooted up. Everything's moving up. So you got to start sooner and sooner and sooner. That's why the staff is there behind in 24. But it's impressive. I, but by the way, I can literally look at because I did this math last week. I think I can now say that in the last six weeks, everybody in the top 12 in the state of Alabama has been on Auburn's campus. Most of them have been on Auburn's campus at least twice. Few of them have been on Auburn's campus three, four times. That doesn't. That has never happened at Auburn. Never. And it's gonna pay off. I don't know how big it pays off in twenty four, but I promise you, it's gonna be huge in twenty five. It's gonna be huge in twenty six, and it's gonna be huge as long as Hugh Freeze is the head coach here. When guys are coming to campus two, three, four, and five times, you're doing something right. You're doing something right, and as you said, it is going to pay off. It's going to pay off. I think 24 will be revived. I think it'll be it'll be a good class, but again, they were so behind. They were so behind when they came here, but they're going to make this pretty impressive. The years to come could be really, really special for Auburn football recruiting. When we come back, I want to talk about how Auburn football recruiting being down over the past couple of years has contributed to success around the SEC. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Back inside the studio at ESPN 106.7, Auburn Open like a sports leader. And I teased before the break, and I do want to bring that up, talking about how you know Auburn football's recruiting over the past couple of years obviously has not been to uh, the level around the SEC that we've seen. But, side note, they just released the dates for the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs and my Celtics, because we talked about this yesterday. I don't think it was on the air with Christian, but we talked about the NBA playoffs and how the Hawks played, the Atlanta Hawks played the Miami Heat last night, and the winner of that game moved into the postseason to take on the Boston Celtics, a team that I'm a fan of. Atlanta won yesterday, which means Boston will play at least two games in Atlanta, and they just released the dates. It's next Friday and Sunday, so I'm currently pulling up tickets to see how much they are and if I can go, because I'm going to go watch the Celtics beat the Hawks by 30 in Atlanta. So, I'm excited. I know you are. You've been talking about this for the last, like, four or five days, it feels <laughs> like. Uh, I'm excited finally, about it. Your your wish has come true. So and they just tweeted it out, like, two minutes ago during the break, literally. So, I mean, what happens if the Hawks upset your Celtics? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It, 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 no, that's not even in the range of possibilities. The Hawks are not great, and the Celtics are. So, Celtics are going to win that series. They may sweep it. Probably a 4-1 if I had to guess. But tickets have been released, and so I'm excited. I'll worry about that later. But I brought up, going into the break, we're talking Auburn recruiting, and I think it's very important to, and this conversation doesn't get had very often, and I think it should. We've seen over the past five or six years in the SEC, it's been dominated by Alabama, Georgia, and LSU, right? LSU has a national championship in there, but really Alabama and Georgia have dominated the SEC when it comes to recruiting. They've dominated the country 
when it comes to recruiting. I think Auburn being down in recruiting and going through what has been a really bad lull in recruiting has a huge hand in that. Yes, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are phenomenal coaches. They are phenomenal recruiters. And they have two of the best programs in college football. But you can't tell me that it hasn't helped them and they haven't benefited from Auburn, the other big school in the state of Alabama, the one that neighbors the state of Georgia. You can't tell me that Auburn being down in recruiting over the past five or six years has not benefited Alabama and Georgia and contributed to what they've done. Oh, absolutely, yes. Absolutely. I mean, you you look at... It's made it easier for them. I mean, I still think they'd be top four programs yes. in the country. It's allowed them to be even more talented and be the best two programs in the country. Um, but you've got guys... I think Sterling Dixon, the Alabama commit, he's somebody that I believe had Hugh Freeze been here for the entirety of his um, recruitment, he'd be an Auburn commit right now. He would be. He wanted, I think last fall, there were some kind of rumors, some, some rumblings out there that he wanted to commit to Auburn. But now he's committed to Alabama. So, I mean, you've got that happening. Ryan Williams, the 2025 wide receiver who's Auburn legacy. Mm -hmm. He has a quote about his Auburn visit last year. I think he he was talking to Christian when Christian was, like, helping him, like, hey, like, walk over there and maybe you'll get a coach to talk to you. Nah, Brian Harson just walked right by him like, and it was nothing. Uh, but I mean, it was—it's fascinating to see guys who I think would be Auburn commits or be all, be on Auburn's campus over the last four or five years. Go to Alabama. Go to Georgia. Go to FSU. Go to Clemson. Mm-hmm. Go to other schools. For some reason, Oregon and Arkansas seem to have a weird amount of of success coming into the state of Alabama. Heck, here's one for you. Quinchad Judkins would be on Auburn's campus right now. And Auburn would have the best two one-two combination of running backs in America. Yeah. Between Jarquez Hunter and Judkins. Imagine that backfield. Exactly. But you you have these situations that are taking place that there's no excuse for. It doesn't have to be... Like, it's just putting in the effort. And I don't think we realized how poor the effort was under the last two staves. It's like we thought we were at the ceiling with Gus Malzahn in, in recruiting. We thought we were. We thought we were against, like, a glass ceiling or whatever. And then Hugh Freeze comes in, and it's like, oh, no, you were operating at 75% of capacity. Yeah. And now you're operating at 100% capacity. Shit, the, they're going at 150% capacity The right issue now. is you just spent two years operating at 20% capacity. So now it's going to take a lot of time of maxing out the potential to get back to the talent level you need to be at to compete for SEC championships, to compete 
for national championships to, to compete for the 12 team playoff it's going to take a little bit of time which you may see that impact early on in this 2024 class and in that 2025 class because you're going to get they are getting guys on campus and they are making an impact on these guys but we've talked about how behind they are in 2024 like you can talk to these kids but a lot of them have already made up their minds and we've seen that now 2025 is a different story and and beyond I would argue this staff is as good as anybody out there in changing people's minds very fair very fair you want to talk about impact you want to talk about recruiting impact your top three commits in 23 are all going to play this fall they're going to be on the field. Connor Liu, Kay and Lee, Keldrick Falk. They're going to play. They're going to play a lot. That's huge. Yeah, it's absolutely huge. And that's something that Hugh Freeze and this staff can take into the living rooms of recruits in 24, 25, and beyond. When we come back, we'll talk about the NBA playoffs just a little bit and talk about the Auburn guys that impressed in their first year. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. With me as always, Carter Bird here on ESPN 106.7. Well, the NBA playoffs getting underway, had the play-in games, a couple of them last night, a couple of more tonight, and then you'll have some uh, coming up on Friday as well. And fun fact, if you're looking for those NBA play-in games, you can actually tune in to ESPN 106.7 tonight. We've got both of them, the Bulls and the Raptors. Uh, that'll get going at 6 o'clock, and then the Thunder and the Pelicans at 8.30 to follow. So if you're looking for the radio broadcast, you can tune in right here on ESPN 106.7 for the NBA play-in games. Uh, winner will get into the playoffs, and the losers will play one more time to try to get that final playoff spot. And uh, It's been interesting. You had some really good games last night. You had the Lakers... Uh, uh, try to give it away last night, but they do get the win over the Timberwolves, 108-102 in overtime. The, I already mentioned the Atlanta Hawks defeated the Miami Heat. I'm very excited. That means the Boston Celtics are coming to Atlanta. Yes, I spent the entire break looking at tickets, and I will uh, be purchasing those very, very soon. But some really good basketball going on. The NBA, I know it's not the most popular thing in the Southeast with Atlanta really being the only team around, um, but one thing I will say about the NBA is they step up their level of play when the playoffs begin. Like, regular season, they don't play a lick of defense. They don't. They score 140 points a game. There is no defense. It's who can shoot the ball more. It's pretty much how you win in the NBA. And given that, when you get to the playoffs, they lock it down on defense. And so the games are interesting. They are fun. And I like it. But... I know it's not the most popular thing around here, but what is popular for people around here are Auburn guys that are playing in the NBA. And you had two really big names from Auburn make their rookie debuts this season, Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith. Neither one of them are in the playoffs, but they had incredible years to start out their NBA careers. I mean, just excellent, excellent play from both of them. Yeah, I mean, mean, arguably... Walker Kessler's got one of the best futures with his team in the NBA of those, this rookie class. I think Jabari does as well. 
Uh, Jabari especially came on in the back half of the year. Um, he got so much better. Uh, people were very critical of him through the first half of the season, and now he's he's um, he's been one of the better players, um, I guess, on that Rockets team, and he's been consistently uh, kind of a he goes out and gets d- double doubles, and he puts up twenty point games every now and every now and then. Walker Kessler, on the other hand, and it felt like this his entire career. You can look at it at UNC. You can look at it uh, at Auburn when he got the opportunity. You can look at it over the course of his first NBA season. It's just giving the guy a chance. It's just giving him enough minutes to mm-hmm. show what he can do. Yeah. He didn't get that at UNC. He comes to Auburn. He's an All-American. He's he's the defensive player of the year. He blocks out the sun in the paint, and then he goes to the NBA. Doesn't play a lot. Doesn't play a ton early. Then due to injuries and other things, he starts getting on the court, court a bunch. He starts starting games, and they realize, holy cow, this guy's awesome. Maybe we should play the guy who can go get us uh, 20 points, 15 rebounds, and 7 blocks if he's on, if he's on that night. Mm-hmm. I mean, Walker Kessler, Walker Kessler, I, does Walker Kessler get a triple-double in his NBA career of points, rebounds, and blocks at some point? If he plays enough. Yeah, I can see it happening. I wonder. I wonder how close he got this past year to to one of those because he did it a couple times at Auburn. Yeah, that I don't know. That I don't know. But I'm pulling it up. Don't worry. Walker. Uh, I mean, look. I sat on this show last year, last summer during the draft, and even after the draft, and talked about how. Obviously, Jabari Smith had the the highest ceiling because coming into it, he did, and I still think he probably does. Uh, the ceiling for Jabari is unbelievable. I mean, the, the comparisons for him were, the argument became, is Jabari Smith more like Kevin Durant or Giannis? Like, those are the two comparisons that he had coming into the league. So, pretty good company to try and be compared to. Season did not start out well for him. Uh, He also played on what could be the worst organization in the NBA, the Houston Rockets, and it just started out slow for him. But as you mentioned, he picked it up down the stretch and really was playing good basketball. And it's unfortunate that he couldn't get more time this season because he started to play really well. He averaged almost 13 points a game. He was averaging seven rebounds a game, just one assist, but He's not like the best passer you've ever seen. Almost a block per game, just one turnover. And so he was doing his job. He was playing 31 minutes a game and was scoring 13 points and grabbing seven boards. Like, that's what Jabari does. And I think he has a chance to to really, really be a superstar. But the one that caught everybody's eye, as you said, was Walker Kessler, who came out and just dominated in his performances. He carried his defensive presence from college to the NBA. A question mark that I had about him was, can he bump bodies and can he match the physicality of the guys in the pros? And so far, he can. Yeah, by the way, on February 1st uh, of this year, Walker Kessler against the Toronto Raptors had 17 points, 14 rebounds, seven of those offensive boards, by the way. And seven blocks. He got close then. He got close. I don't think it's the most unheard of thing ever to think that he's going to have 
a game at some point where he, by chance, gets to 10 blocks. And if he does that, as he gets older, as he gets better, as he develops, I got to feel pretty good about his chances of, of having 10 points and 10 rebounds. I mean, he had a 20-point, 20 21-rebound game in one of his first um, starts of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really... He became something really, really special down down the stretch. He had a game. He had a game against uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder where he hit seven points, seven blocks, and eighteen rebounds. Love that. That's just what he like. He became a vacuum on the on the on the glass, which you can't really say about his time at Auburn. Like he was a good rebounder. He wasn't great. He was also just taller than everybody else. Yes, and but I think he has gotten significantly better at rebounding in the NBA, and it shows when you look at some of these ridiculous numbers. Now, when you look at Jabari, Jabari was like an 11, 12-point-a-game guy for the first four months of his NBA career. So October, November, December, and January, uh, and February, actually. So, And then after that, you saw the, the emergence. You saw him step it up a notch because over the last two months... He was 15.1 points per game in March. He was 15.8 points per game in April. And I think he's only going to get better as Mm -hmm. that confidence builds, as that coaching staff realizes um, that maybe they need to run some plays for their top three pick uh, because that was an issue early in the year. Yeah, and look, I mean, Jabari is unbelievably talented. And... and with his season, this first full year in the NBA, he played 79 of 82 games. So he played the majority of them. And it just seemed like it was a combination of maybe some growing pains for Jabari in the NBA. The Rockets not, like you said, not running plays for him, which just doesn't make any sense. But again, it's the Houston Rockets. Jabari then, like you said, in these last couple of months, has really turned it on. And so you look at his season stats, and you want to split them up, right? You want to separate these last two months and just look at those, but you got to look at the season as a whole. It's still good, though. He shot 41% from the field. That's solid. You'd like to see that a little bit better from a guy that's a born natural shooter. Shot 31% from three. Not bad. 78% from the line. I think he could do better for Jabari, but seven rebounds, a block a game, and just the one turnover and averaging almost 13 points on the season. So this guy is good. It's also worth mentioning, he did not have his three-point shot for the first five months of his NBA career. He's 33%, 35%, 32%, 17%, 25%, but then the last two months, 35%, 40%. Like, if he starts to find that shot more consistently, if he starts, and it, and I think that it kind of coincides a little bit. The the free throw percentage was a little up and down. I think it's going to get better. Um, but I mean, I really think Jabari. When you look at the numbers over the course of time, he got so much better in those last two months of the year. And if you can build on that, and have that be at least the starting out point, maybe a little ahead of that from work in the offseason to start this next season, 
I really think the sky's the the limit for Jabari Smith. I think he's going to be in the NBA for a long time because he's long. He can play good defense. He can shoot. And he's starting to to put together more that that ability to to drive um that ability that ability to put the ball on the deck. If he does that, then we're talking about a guy who who has all-star potential in the NBA for years. That is the point that I tried to hammer home last year when the draft was coming around was Jabari, we all know he can shoot. He has to find a way to develop a a dribble game. He has to find a way to be what Kevin Durant and Giannis can do, which is put the ball on the floor and get to the rack and either finish through contact or get to the free throw line. And I think Jabari can do that. And it's going to take some time for him to do that. But he had a good rookie year. He did. It didn't start out well, but he has picked it up since. And his season is over. Uh, the Rockets are 22-60. and 60. Uh, They are nowhere near uh, the NBA playoffs. But They're his last... be yeah. in the discussion for potential number one overall pick. Could be. Yeah, could be. And who knows what, what you, that's going to look like. What if you paired him... You have Jalen Green, Jabari, and Wimbenyana. Or is it Yana or Yama? Wimbin I think it's Yama. Yama, right? I think it is. <laughs> Hold on. It's one of those two. But I don't know why that name that name should not be that difficult to say, but for some reason I think it is Wimbenyama with an M. Yeah, Wimbenyama. Victor Wimbenyama. That guy, you want to talk about just a freak of nature. Have that guy. Seen, have you ever seen the video where, like, he's listed at 7 2. Have you ever seen the video where, like, that's clearly a lie. He's clearly way taller than yeah. that. Yeah, he's listed at 7'2", at 19 years of age. There's a picture at him at some, I guess, um, kind of world basketball thing where guys are playing for... It's like Chet Holmgren, uh, Jaden Ivey playing for Team USA. It's Victor playing for Team France. And it's Zach Eady playing for Team Canada. He's taller than Zach Eady. In the picture. Isn't is. Zach Eady listed at 7'4"? Yes. Wimbenyama is about an inch taller than Zach Eady in real life. Hmm. So he's about 7'5". I'm reading... You, have you also seen seen that video? It's the craziest thing I've ever seen in his... Uh, in that Euro League that he's playing in. The three-point shot that he had that goes off the back rim... And he starts at the f- three-point line, and he goes up with one hand, grabs the the long rebound, and dunks it all in one motion as an alley oop. Imagine doing that in the NBA. That's wild. That guy is unbelievable. That's what, there's a reason why he's gonna he's being talked about as the best prospect NBA prospect since LeBron James. Mm. That's which, crazy. Which I know the last time we said that was about Ben Simmons. Ooh, I found I found an amazing clip yesterday. Maybe oh, the day before. was it one of the ESPN guys? I think it was Monday of years ago. Colin Cowherd. Oh, love it. He goes on a monologue. Where yes, he's addressing LeBron. He goes, LeBron, like I've been a huge fan. Like loved you. Like been like one of the biggest fans and supporters of your career. We're good. 
You you can go if you want. You you can stay, <laughs> but we've got Ben Simmons. Oh no! Where's the freezing cold takes on Twitter when you need it? Oh no! I was never on the Ben Simmons train. I, he he had he a lot of shoots. potential. He couldn't shoot. He and can't he, shoot. It's not it's, that he doesn't. He can't. It's apparent now. He's mentally soft. That's what it seems like. I feel like it feels like we've had a couple of those. I mean, we potentially. The last two can't miss best prospects since LeBron situations we've had have health issues and might be a hair mentally soft. Zion. That, Simmons. that is a wild one, too. Which you hate Zion. I do I not hate it. Zion. I love it. I don't yes, hate you it. Do. No, every time that I have something negative or <laughs> bad to say about a person, you just think I hate them. I don't hate him. Brooks Kepka. No, okay. which that's a whole another conversation about Brooks Kepka over the weekend. But with man with Zion, it's just it's wild to me because everybody. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that had the highest of expectations, a guy that was put on a pedestal before he even stepped on the floor of an NBA game was Zion Williamson, and you can go back on my Twitter before those two guys got drafted, Zion one and John Morant two. I said that John Morant would have a better NBA career than Zion Williamson. And there's a chance right now, folks, that Zion Williamson doesn't play another NBA game. There's a chance. I think he will, but there's a chance he doesn't because he just can't stay healthy. He can't stay healthy. He put on a ton of weight when he got to the pros, and he has played. He has not played a full year yet. And John Morant is one of the best players in the league. Yeah, he's got some off-court issues, but... He's one of the best basketball players in the world right now is John Morant. So the NBA is, it's all over the place. And Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler found their way in year one. Isaac Okoro's in the playoffs with the Cavaliers. He'll be playing in the, in the NBA playoffs. They are a four seed, I believe, four or five. I can't remember. They are in the playoffs. And, and Isaac has, he's got a unique role. He's not your go-to guy. Had a game winner earlier this I think, year. I think his role changed when they made the trade for Donovan Mitchell yeah. I think he had which I think play. it's okay yeah I, I I really would love I would love for a guy like Chuma Okiki or Isaac Okoro to go somewhere where they can play a little bit bigger role and maybe develop into their full potential of what of what they could be um JT Thor he's somebody that I think had the sky's the limit for his potential and I really, really hate that they kept him up at in the NBA level. And I really hate that he went pro. I think he needed another year to develop. And I think we'd be talking about a legitimate lottery pick who has that length, that shooting ability, that frame where you can add a bunch of weight to him and you can mold him into something special. I'm not saying, like, kind of the way, the way that Giannis was. Yeah, in the draft, but like I'm not saying JT Thor was ever going to be Giannis, but I'm saying frame wise, developing a little longer, giving him that time. I think, I think the Hornets rushed JT Thor into the onto the NBA roster a little too early. Yeah, I mean he could have used another year in college. Sharif could have used another year in college. Heck, Isaac may could have used another year in college but he was a lottery pick I mean he wasn't going to come back he's a really good player and you're right the trade for Donovan Mitchell put him on a different path with the Cavaliers 
I just don't know if Isaac's ever going to become that dude on a team. I just don't know. He has the potential to do it. I just don't know if he will. But we've blown pie on this break. <laughs> we got to get to break. We're about to run out of time. 334-321-1390. We'll wrap up hour number one when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We have just a couple of minutes, went just a tad long in that last segment, but uh, we we were caught in the rabbit hole of NBA talking just the different players and the different names and prospects that have come in and out of the pros because we were talking about Auburn guys in the NBA and really just uh, recapping Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler's rookie years. I want to make one note before we forget to mention it today. Uh-oh. Speaking of Auburn guys in professional sports, Edouard Julian is making his MLB debut today for the Minnesota Twins. Yes, I saw that. I saw that. Good point to bring that up. Uh, how? That's cool. Uh, I mean, he's, he is, he's, a, he's a good player, man. And we could see it when he was at Auburn. And he, baseball he's is just so, so much power from yeah. the left side, and yeah. honestly, like it doesn't even make sense to an extent sometimes because he doesn't look that big. No, he doesn't. But he just generates so much power, and, and you know, baseball is one of those. It's the trickiest sport to get into the professional game because of all the different levels and the constant movement of players. But yeah, I saw that today. So uh, congrats to uh, Julian for making his MLB debut and uh, hopefully he's able to uh, maybe record his first hit of the night. It would be awesome if he could be one of those guys to get a home run on his first hit, huh? That'd be all right. Well, I think they may have already finished today. Holy they already cow. played today? Yeah, they already they already finished. Well, how'd he do? Three to one win. He. I keep forgetting that baseball's playing earlier and earlier. That's such a bummer. They called him. Oh wait, no, he went over two. Oh, oh wow. bummer. Well, has a chance to still record his first hit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in a different game. <laughs> I didn't. Dude, I keep forgetting that that baseball's playing earlier and earlier. I really forget. But yeah. hour number one, it's in the books. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday, April 12th, 2023. Hour number one is in the books. Hour number two is underway here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of that first hour, you can go and catch up with the podcast at ESPNAU.com right after the show, commercial free. We talked talked recruiting. We talked basketball a little bit with Jabari Smith. The Walker Kessler wrapping up their NBA careers and uh, or their NBA first year, I should say, in uh, the National Basketball Association. So we talked about that a little bit as well. And uh, 
And again, if you missed any of that in the first hour, you can go and catch up with the podcast, ESPNAU.com. But to start off hour number two, Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick, joining us on the phones. Trey, it's nice to hear from you again, man. I know you've been on a few times when I wasn't here, but it's good to hear from you. We finally, uh, we've been playing radio tag for the last couple appearances, so uh, you're it, brother. Hope you're doing well. Yes, sir. Doing just fine, and I know you are busy and hope you're doing well. Uh, Also, with uh, just so much going on right now around the Southeastern Conference and, of course, spring practices, uh, some are wrapping up, some are wrapped up, and some will be uh, finishing up in just a couple of weeks with spring games taking place uh, from this past weekend all the way through the end of April the transfer portal opening up in just a few days. I mean, it's it's craziness right now in college football. But, Trey, you cover the SEC on a daily basis for OutKick. What are the biggest storylines around spring practice that you have heard so far? You know, I, I think that when you look at it right now overall, I think, you know, with Auburn's coming to an end and they're going to go out and, and try to find a quarterback, in my opinion, in the transfer portal – um, you you look around and, and it's just a new era of quarterbacks. You know it, it's different, man. We do, Bryce Young is gone. Will Levis is gone. Anthony Richardson's gone. Hendon Hooker's gone. Um, you can you can go around the country. Stetson Bennett is gone. You know this is this is a new era in the SEC when it comes to quarterbacks. And I, and I think when we look at it right now, overall, you know there's a big battle going on in College Station. You know, is it going to be Connor Wegman or is it going to be Max Johnson? You know, how does that play out? Jimbo Fisher has to get it right. He can no longer, you know, make excuses for his team when it comes to quarterback play. So I think whatever happens, you know, in their spring game and then whatever happens over the summer, they've got to get that situation figured out and have a reliable starter. You know, you, you look at it, the, the quarterback, it was an interesting stat. Uh, out of the, I think it was the four quarterbacks that he's brought in, uh, five quarterbacks, none of them are still on the roster. Uh, and, I, and I mean that in the term of in previous years. So you look at Max Johnson, you look at Connor Weidman, they've got to get this thing right. And I think when you look around the, the conference as well, you know, Kentucky's in a nice spot. Devin Leary, I think they're going to be fine. South Carolina, Spencer Rattler, I think they're going to be fine. Um, Will Rogers is back. Uh, there's a crazy battle going on in Oxford. I, I don't know what Lane Kiffin's going to do, but you got Jackson Dart, you got Spencer Sanders, you got Walker Howard. So what I'm getting at is that there's so much change to the face of these programs, these football programs, that it's going to be very interesting to see what this looks like over the next five months heading into the regular season. It, it, it's been a while since we've had this much turnover this quick. So of of the guys that we know that there's only a few that are returning in the SEC with um, returning starters, if you had to pick one that is your your favorite, which which would it be going into this next season? Oh my goodness! I it's crazy that sounds returning wise and not new. Uh, I love Will Rogers, I do, but it's going to be different because he's running a new system. You know what I mean? Like he's, mm-hmm. that, that's a compl- this is not the air raid system that he's running under Mike Leach anymore. Uh, long live the pirate. Um, I, I Spencer Rattler, you know, is a name besides, and, I, and I, it's besides the obvious. Like Jaden Daniels, to me, that's the guy. You know, in the SEC West, what he did at the end of the season, my goodness. I mean, this kid is going to be. 
I think something special for the Tigers this year. But like outside the obvious names, um, I think you have to look at, you know, potentially Spencer Rattler at South Carolina, how he does with a new coordinator and Dow Loggins. Uh, they got rid of Satterfield. I don't know how much of a change it's going to be when it comes to the offense on a, a play-by-play basis. But I think, you know, he stands out to me. And then, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a reemergence in Knoxville. It's like Joe Milton was the guy two years ago as named the starter in the first game of the year. Now, you know, after he got injured and Hendon Hooker came in, now it's kind of like the redemption story, the reemergence of Joe Milton. Uh, as the leader for Tennessee. So there's a couple out there, a couple intriguing storylines as, as, as we get into the summer and next year. But, but gun to my head, probably going with Spencer Rattler, Joe Milton, um, and, and, and obvious choices, in my opinion, is, is Jake Daniels. Trey, coming up in just a couple of days on the 15th, the transfer portal will open for college football. They moved it from May 1st, from uh, that May 1st to May 15th, really period, to this April 15th to April 30th period. Do you like that they moved it up? It just seems like it's sort of forced. I, oh man, it's a, it's a, it's the 15 days. Think about that for a minute. We had, what was it, 45 days from December something to January. So we had 45 days, dropping it down to 15. The biggest thing is over over what you're going to see, starting Saturday, by the way. It starts Saturday. Um, you're going to have players that enter their names in the portal, but they're not immediately going to go to a new spot. Like, they don't have to enroll, you know, uh, May 1st or something like that. Like you can get in for the summer sessions of classes and whatnot. So I think what you're going to see is you're going to see some names at the portal. They're going to take their visits. They're going to try to compound them into, you know, two weeks, you know, if they can hit a couple spots up. I think it's, you know, it puts teams at a tricky spot because you're having to wait a little bit longer to kind of figure out what your roster is. And let's be honest, too. Let's let's think about it this way. LSU's not having their spring game until, like, next week, I think yeah. it is. So, you, it, it, Brian Kelly's trying to figure out what the heck he's going to do in terms of personnel for his team. And, yes, even though he can go in and dip into the portal and they can do all that good stuff and look around, if we're being honest with each other, they're not going to know what the makeup of that squad looks like until spring practice is over. Now, look, they've got it. You know, they've, they've, they've got an opinion, you know what I mean, of who they need to replace, who might not be returning, you know, what they might need to go look for. But I've just seen that around the country, too. It's like, you know, after Saturday spring games, there's so many games going on around the country on Saturday. It's Saturday night, it is straight to recruiting reporter players. So it's just it, – I don't know, man. Hell, they could have given them an extra day or two. Why not right. start it on Monday? That's I mean, what I'm you saying. start it on Saturday when you've got these spring games going on. And look, I understand there are departments around the country. Every school pretty much has a portal department now. However, that's big, you know, one person, like 25 people. You know, it depends on what school. But I'm just saying the timeline's a little weird. Like you moved it from May 1st to the 15th to you know, April 15th to the 30th, and it's like, okay, what the, what the hell is the big deal? Why not just keep it on, you know, why not start that Monday and give coaches 24 hours to breathe? But you know what? We're in college football. That happens. 
So when you look at uh, Auburn's, talking about spring, Auburn's spring game on Saturday, was there anything that really stuck out to you watching that game all 40 minutes of game action in the pouring rain? It, it's technically. Uh, I, it was a 35 minutes technically. Uh, it, um, you know, I, I look at Auburn, and I went in that game hoping I'd get a good look at the quarterbacks, and the rain was so bad, and Hugh was like, oh, screw it. We're not going to pass the ball around that much. Um, I do like I do like what I see out of Robbie Ashford when he's kind of running the football, um, getting outside with the option, read option if he does every now and then too. Um, but it, it, the comments made too, like by T.J. Finley, like he's not sure if he's going to stick around if they bring in another quarterback. Um, Robbie Ashford's not going anywhere. But I look at that situation and I think, okay, Auburn, they need to shore up maybe one spot in the secondary. Um, defensive line, I think it's going to be okay. Running back-wise, I think the Tigers are going to be decently strong this year. Um, but it, and, it and, I, and I hate to be that guy, but it goes back to quarterback, man. Who's going to run your system? You know who's going to be that guy? Is he some? Is it Robbie Ashford? Because I don't think it's not going to be T.J. Finley, guys. T.J. Finley is not running Hugh Freeze's system. Thank you. Um, <laughs> if if, if T.J. Finley is at Auburn, you know, by the time fall practice comes around, you know, maybe we'll make a side bet and come up with something. But but what I'm getting at is that you struck out in the winter period, and it's not really your fault. Grayson McCall would have gone somewhere if he had his academics in order. So it's hard to really blame it on Auburn. But they did put all their chips in the two guys that were already, you know, Grayson McCall and Devin Leary. Devin Leary was already going to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to know that type of stuff. You know, That's why you paid millions to know that this kid is silently committed to Kentucky and he was going anyway. So I, they would have probably loved to have Spencer Sanders. Um, I was told there was a couple of grade situations that would have affected that, but he probably could have got into Auburn. It, it just took some finagling. Um, but I think they got to go out and they got to find a quarterback, man. And, and I think they got to go out and find the guy that can either be a band aid for this season. So when he has more time to go out and find the right guy. Um, and, and Hugh Freeze is in a tough spot right now because you could tell with his comments he was not excited, um, you know, about where they stand right now when it comes to quarterback. Yeah, Trey. It seems like Hugh is he's he's said in the nicest way possible and without just coming out and strictly saying the quarterbacks are just not where they need to be and just the quarterbacks are not really great right now. And so uh, he's had he's had some interesting ways uh, to word that. We're talking with Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for Outkick, joining us here on On the Line to start hour number two. It's tricky right now because we just talked about the portal opening up on Saturday. You have an idea of who might enter the portal, but there could be a random haymaker or two that jumps in the portal and it's a free-for-all with just a 15-day period you you i I didn't hear you on the back end of that question you're breaking up just a little bit i'm sorry oh you're good i said i said it's a confusing time and it's challenging because with the transfer portal opening up on saturday you talk about auburn having to go and get a quarterback you have an idea and hugh freeze and the staff you talked about that they have an idea of who's going to enter the portal but there could be a right. name or two that jump in that nobody had any idea, and you have to find a way to, to get your name in there to go after them. Look, it, it comes down to, like, you know what happens in basketball where we get, like, a, a surprise player that that enters the portal and maybe you're not expecting. And, and 
okay, you might not have room on your roster on a Monday, but if you got an inkling that kid might be coming to your school, you'll have room on your roster by Wednesday. Um, I think that's what it comes down to with the transfer portal stuff. I, I think that there's going to be – look, there's going to be conversations to have with each and every player, and they've already happened at Auburn. Um, and I'm pretty sure Hugh Freeze has already gone and talked to every player and told them, hey, how are you going to fit at this system? Or, B, look, I just don't think you're going to fit. We'll help you out as much as we can, try to find you a new spot. Um, and, and I'm just saying this, this happens at every college, okay? This is not anything new. I think when you have the surprise factor, and it takes a lot, I'll be honest, with you, if it's a big-name player, it takes a lot to surprise some of the coaches because the agent community loves, you know, loves to be able to, you know, uh, get it out. Uh, gossip, I guess, is the best way to put it. You know, gossip about this stuff. So it, it, it's hard to surprise. Like with a Jordan Addison, like last year, you know what I mean? When, when he left Pittsburgh, signed with USC. Um, I think when it comes to the potential needs, like a linebacker, like just a solid linebacker that can start. You know, I think that's what could surprise folks. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, we could we could use this spot right here. We could use this player. This would be beneficial to us. Um, then, then, then you have to go out and try to grab them. And, and even if you don't have room on your roster, I hate to break it to folks, but college football is a business now, okay? And, and there's going to be players that, that have their feelings hurt, and, and I'm sorry. I don't like that. Um, but these are year-over-year contracts now, okay? These are one-year contracts pretty much uh, with these scholarships. And I just think that the surprise factor could potentially be there, but I don't think it's going to be like what we saw in December in the winter portal period. I, I just don't. I think I think the second-string quarterbacks that – that know that they're heading into summer and they're not going to be the starter. You know, I, I think you'll see a couple of them maybe hop in that are some big names that were coming out of high school and whatnot. But, but overall, the guys that are in the portal right now, two things stand out. They've just dealt with, they've just gone through their first spring with a new coaching staff and they can't stand the coaching staff and they want to get out. They don't want to deal with it anymore or B they know that they're not going to get the playing time coming out of spring, and they know they're buried at the two and the three spot because somebody has emerged, so that's why they're going to hit the portal. So looking around the country-wise, I don't think it's going to be as crazy, but again, nothing surprises me with college football. Trey, with with basketball and the transfer portal, it feels like it's been really chaotic, about as chaotic as we've seen the transfer portal. I think I heard a stat yesterday that, 20% of of division 1 college basketball has entered the portal which is insane um but auburn got a big commitment out of denver jones the florida international guard a guy who could score 20 points a game last year about 37% from 3 what does that bring to this auburn roster and how much does that improve them moving into this next season i look i like auburn i i, I like what bruce Burrow's trying to do right now and they go out and grab a kid like denver um, I'm, I'm telling you, I think that it can move the basket up a little bit when it comes to expectations. Okay, because you guys talked about it right when I came on the air. Um, you guys talked about the Jabari Phillips, the Walker Kessler days of Auburn. And I think that some of that Auburn's got to get back to where you have got 
you know, uh, speedy point guards. You know, you, you've got a shooting guard, you know, that can drain the shot. You don't have to worry about that. Stone Cold Killer. Uh, then you got the bigs down low uh, that can handle the rim. And, 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 and that's what you saw with that Kessler and Phillips here. It, look, it's hard to duplicate that, okay? Let's, let's all be honest with right. each other. What, what those two players were amazing. But if Bruce Pearl can get back to at least having one dominant big, um, then I think this squad and what Bruce Pearl does with his offense can be successful next season. Bruce Pearl runs it differently, man. It, it, it's almost like how Arkansas does in the past. Bruce Pearl is 40 minutes of hell. That's what it is. And, and it, but, but you've got to also have that big guy down low that, okay, maybe not involved too much in that, but can be the guy on the defensive rebound, offensive rebound side of things. I think Auburn's going to be fine. I think that, you know, I don't know if we're done yet when it comes to maybe player leaving, uh, another player coming in. I don't think Auburn's done quite yet, but I will say that after this past season, I think, you know, Auburn, Bruce Pearl, they're ready to reload and go into the 2023 uh, with a new mindset and, and kind of like a redemption story as well. Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick, joining us here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Trey, it's been too long for me and you, man, to talk, and I'm glad you were able to join us. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and all the fantastic work you do for OutKick. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me. Always love it coming on down in Auburn. Hope the weather and everything's treating you guys right. You can follow me uh, at Trey Wallace underscore on Twitter. Follow all my work at OutKick.com. And, boys, look forward to doing it again next week, and thanks for having me. I love that, man. We'll talk to you next week, Trey. We appreciate you hopping on. Again, that is Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick. does just fantastic work uh, for them covering the biggest stories and and news in the SEC. But let's get to our first break on hour number one. We'll talk about what Trey had to say about Auburn football and basketball when we come back. are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Big thank you to Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick. Again, he just joined us to start off our number two, and we appreciate him taking the time and talking to us about the biggest storylines around the SEC. That includes spring practices, the transfer portal, all that good stuff, so we appreciate him. Go check it out. Uh, he does all his work at OutKick.com, and if you missed the interview, you can find it on the podcast later today at ESPNAU.com. But let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. And Terry, I hear you have a Boston Celtics story to tell me. I do, Jacob. How y'all doing today? Doing great, right, Terry. Uh, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Fantastic. Yeah, and uh, back in 2008, okay. in October of 2000, my wife passed away, and I flew to um, San Antonio, Texas, for just a little, you know, shut down time, me time, type thing, relax time, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine who knew I was going to be in in the, you know, desperate desperation a little bit, a little, 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 um, little, little subdued, and and he surprised me with tickets to the San Antonio Spurs Boston Celtics games, first row front court. How about that? Front, front row court side. Court How side. about that? that that's side. a that's a that's a heck of an era for Boston Celtics, two thousand eight. And I didn't care anything about the Boston Celtics. I was there to see Tim to see, to see Tim Duncan and the Spurs. Yeah, Tim Duncan, what a what a <laughs> underrated Hall of Famer he is. He is one of the best players to ever play the game. Yeah, that's what I said. I was there to see uh, the greatest power forward to ever play the game. Yeah, that's unbelievable. That's a, that's really really cool. So you were on the floor, huh? 
I was on front row courtside. Wow, that is that is something I've I've obviously never had the chance to do. That that is a really really cool story. Yeah, that's one of those bucket list type things. Yes, it and, is. Uh, that, that's a once I'm, in a lifetime thing. Forever grateful to my friend out there for getting that done for me, and it was a nice surprise. I got to be honest. That's awesome, man. That's fantastic. Very very traumatic situation. Very nice surprise. And the Spurs, I can't remember if they won or not. They didn't really care. So it was so exciting. Yeah, that is. That's that's really, really cool. <laughs> so appreciate it, guys. Hey, the portal is going to be a lot of fun to watch. What's going to be more fun, the basketball or the football side of it? Yeah, I mean, football is going to be wild. It's Basketball has been insane, though. Like, basketball is crazy. I, I think basketball's you're going to see a greater impact from the transfers just because of the amount of scholarships open, all the high school players have already signed, and – um, you have to pull from the portal, and it's a smaller roster. So if you go get four or five guys via the portal, I mean that's a third of your playing roster, if not more. I think that's going to be maybe more exciting. Although I think yeah. football portal, we may see more more movement in that football portal uh, for Auburn both ways than I think we are initially expecting. Yeah, well, guys, a 14-15 win basketball team could be a Final Four team next year. Yeah, yeah. that's that's with the a, with three or four additions. Yep, that's absolutely Muscleman, right. Muscleman at Arkansas already has three, at least three commits that mm-hmm. I've seen, mm. including yeah, including Tremon Mark, who dropped like twenty five on Auburn in the round of thirty two for for Houston. Now, did I did I hear where the guy from Florida State jumped into the portal? The big six yes. foot seven guard, Matthew Cleveland. Yes, he is in the portal. I'm sure he's got a list of people on him. Yeah, I, uh, I think I saw the Florida State Sports Illustrated uh, writer quote tweet his transfer announcement and said, "Right now he's leaning towards Auburn." No kidding. Mm-hmm. Boy, talk about getting size of guard. Yeah, you go yeah. from five seven to six seven. Think about that—a six 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 seven guard. I mean, that is unbelievable. Yeah. Appreciate it, guys. Have a great day. Appreciate it, Terry. Terry. We appreciate you calling in. That's a great story that uh, told about going to the Celtics game in San Antonio. I was thinking while he was talking, the players he got to see in that game, that was a heck of an era for the NBA. Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, all three Hall of Famers for the Spurs. Then Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett for the the Celtics. I mean, those those are massive, massive players for... For the Celtics, Rajon Rondo was on that team as well in 08 for the Celtics. I mean, those are those are Hall of Fame-level guys that Terry got to see on the floor in San Antonio. So, Terry, I appreciate that story, man. That is, that's something really, really cool that, that hopefully you'll be able to cherish forever. But, yes, Auburn is in the mix for a 6'6", 6'7", guard um, out of Florida State. And uh, Terry with the not-so-subtle shot at what – used to be at Auburn and what possibly Auburn could be picking up in the transfer portal when it comes to basketball. I don't know which one's going to be crazier, basketball or football transfer portal. I mean, we've talked about how basketball is so crazy because there's limited spots, and so when when a big name enters the portal, everybody jumps on it, and I think each commitment means a little bit more just because Terry just said it. A 10-win team can become Final Four good with the addition of just one or two players. It's a lot tougher to do that yeah, in college football. 100%. I mean, you, we've seen teams do it all the time. Look at Kansas State. They were one of the worst teams in the Big 12. They were in the Elite Eight with a chance to go to the Final Four. Yep. We'll talk some more about that in the transfer portal when we come back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line.
with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. We appreciate Terry calling in uh, in that last segment to talk about a very, very cool uh, Boston Celtics San Antonio Spurs game that he attended back in 08 and then talking a little bit about the transfer portal, which sparks the conversation I want to get back into, Carter, is which transfer portal period will be more chaotic is the word I want to use. The basketball portal or the football portal window? Because the, po- the football portal window opens up on Saturday, and we talked to Trey Wallace about it to start this hour, that it's just insane that the transfer portal window for football is opening up this early because there are still spring games going on. Like, the, Trey was talking about it. There are so many games on Saturday and then Saturday night, it's going to be hectic for the transfer portal. Yeah, I, I think we, we haven't seen this timing of the football transfer portal. So I'm going to air with basketball for right now because literally, like a fifth of college basketball is in the transfer portal. That's insane. A fifth. That's 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 stupid. That is. That I mean that's. I, and I don't like to hear that number. You've got I don't. starting point guards for really, really, really good teams that entered the portal. Caleb Love, who's now going to Michigan. Kirk Risa, who's now going to West Virginia. Ryan Nimhard, who took that Creighton team to the Elite Eight. He's in the portal as well. I mean, like it's really confusing how we ended up in a situation where like you could be on a really good team. Like, in theory... Nimhard, that entire Creighton team could have come back and they could have won the Dagum National Championship. Yeah, they're good enough. And instead, he's in the portal. You have Hunter Dickinson from Michigan, who was yep. the face of that program, is now in the transfer portal. Like, yeah. I, I, I just don't, and this may be a hot take, I don't know, but I just don't like to hear that number. The fact that 20% of Division I college basketball players are in the transfer portal. Now, that does not mean that all 20% of them will actually transfer schools. You still have the option to go back to your current school. But I just don't like the fact that this is where we are with college athletics. And we knew it was coming, right? We knew this was going to happen. And realistically, it's only going to get worse. Because with the transfer portal and with the NIL, you don't have to stay at a program for very long. Trey said it really well. You have a one-year rental with scholarship players, and that's what you have. You have a one-year rental, and if it doesn't work out, they're gone. They're going to leave, and that is their right. That is their the, the rules that are in place, the programs that are in place. They have the, the option and the, the way out to do that for these student-athletes, and I like that it's there. I just don't like the fact that you get to we're, – we're at the point now where – if somebody doesn't have just the utmost perfect situation making millions of dollars in NIL and getting 40 minutes of playing time and has to be the face of the program and getting everything like that, then they just dip out when the portal window opens and they go find somewhere else. I just don't like that that's where we've gotten, but again, you can't stop it. And there's no way to reel it back in. And so I don't like that, but it's just where we are in the game. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's... Bruce had interesting comments when he was out in Houston. He went on a few different shows and podcasts, Field of 68 and Barstool's live show. And he talked about, look, I mean, we just, we've created a, a situation where 
the slightest complaint, the slightest issue, guys are hitting the eject button and they're going in the portal and they're looking for money, playing time, um, different roles. And it doesn't... I do think that there is a negative aspect to this where some people don't fight through adversity. I think you've got guys who um, want to want like instant gratification Mm -hmm. and kind of they want to be the face of a program. Now, we are seeing faces of programs leave. And I think the Hunter Dickinson one's a little bit more nuanced because I think it's, well, I've done everything I can do at Michigan. Like what more other than barring winning a national championship, which maybe he feels that Michigan cannot do next year, what more can Hunter Dickinson do at Michigan? Yeah. So maybe, like, like I think Hunter Dickinson might be the start of a kind of new era in college basketball of ring chasing. Maybe he, like like you see in professional sports, the NBA in particular. Yes, of, he's looking for somewhere where he can go win a national championship. In my opinion, and that trend may be starting, and it may have it may have already started. Where you have a guy, I think Hunter Dickinson is a a perfect example. A guy that's been at Michigan has been the face of the program, and. Whether it's he just wants a new scene, he doesn't think they're good enough to win a national championship, whatever it may be, he has, what does he have, one more year left? Is that right? One or two more years left of eligibility, Hunter Dickinson? Uh, They, I think he's got one year left, if I'm recalling correctly. He's going to go somewhere that's... uh, I don't know how anybody, everybody has missed this. I just pulled it, because I was trying to see when that uh, Final Four happened, which was in 2018. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which I guess theoretically he could have been on the roster. I don't know if he was. I don't think he was. Um, do you know? <laughs> I love this. This is just so dumb. So they won the 1989 National Championship on their Wikipedia page. Somebody has edited their Wikipedia page to say that they've won the 2024 National Championship. For Michigan somehow, basketball? Somehow, <laughs> somehow nobody has caught this. <laughs> I love that. Wikipedia, man, it is a, it's always an adventure. And I guess, yeah, or maybe, maybe it's somebody from the future telling us that Michigan basketball is going to win the National Championship in 2024 and Hunter Dickinson is not going to be a part of it. I don't know, but Dickinson might have two more years. I might be wrong. He might have two more years of college basketball. I thought it's either one or two. I can't remember, but you're right, though. This may be the start or maybe the continuance of what is ring chasing in college basketball, and it could be in college football as well. We've mentioned multiple times how basketball and football are just so different because one person in football can change a program and can make them a lot better but it's so rare for one person, one player, even a quarterback, to take a team that is not a, con- a competitor and a team that's not in contention yeah. to put them at the top of the game. Like, basketball, you sign one dude, he can. He can take you from middle of the pack I think to final four good. A couple solid pieces around him. Because, I mean, we, we saw, we've seen. Ben Simmons, and we've seen to bring him up for a second time on this show. Um, and we saw the the kid at Georgia that I'm drawing a blank on uh, that we're 
number one, number two picks in the NBA draft be on oh Edwards. Yeah. Yes, Anthony Edwards. Thank you. Um, we've seen them be on bad teams and them not do anything. But I agree. You have a because there's, you're one of five guys on the court. You can make a much bigger impact being a one-off transfer in college basketball, especially if you're a point guard or if you're Zach Eady. Yeah. Like I Zach think a point Eady guard or a center. I think those two positions are the key, the key yeah. positions that if you pick up a massive transfer, it can take your program from bottom to top. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's 100% true. And, I mean, the only comparable thing in football is literally a truly dominant elite quarterback transferring schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why that's why I still just think the basketball transfer portal is so chaotic and it's so wide open and it's so important that Auburn went and got a guy like Denver Jones who will make Auburn much, much better and that's why you have to keep an eye on these things. And that's why these schools have recruiting coordinators and they have transfer portal specialists that keep an eye on these things. I mean, Stephen Pearl for Auburn basketball is that guy. He is the one that keeps an eye on the transfer portal. And when guys enter it, you've got to jump on it immediately because so many schools jump on it because that one player can change their entire program. And I think Auburn got that with Denver Jones. I think you're going to see that around college basketball. You've seen Arkansas get three guys out of the transfer portal. So credit to them. They're they're going to reload on that team. And that's what makes it so much fun also with college basketball with college football, which opens up on Saturday, the transfer portal, yes, you want to go and get anywhere from six to ten guys, five to ten guys to bring in the transfer portal because you're more than likely going to lose around that same number when spring practice is over, when the portal opens. But you have to go get multiple guys for it to be a, quote, successful transfer portal window for football. And Auburn has to do that as well. And you're going to lose guys, and especially, I think we may have brought this up yesterday or the day before here on the show, that in year one of a head coach and coaching staff, you will probably see more guys leave than you typically would in the spring. But that also means you have room to bring in more guys than you typically would out of the transfer portal. And it could be a number of things. I mean, it could be they just want a new scene, they don't like the coach, they don't agree with the coaching staff, or maybe they're just straight up told, hey, you're not going to play here, and yep. it's best for you to leave. Those things happen. It's okay. And a reminder, don't be worried if Auburn football loses quite a bit of guys in the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think – there may be a guy or two where it's like, wow, that's a significant loss. There's still got to be roster turnover. There's guys that this staff will make very clear to that, hey – this may not be the best fit. You don't really fit our scheme. You're not going to play a lot here. There may be some of that that takes place. Or there may be some guys that figure it out on their own. Uh, and and that's why we, we've been talking about TJ Finley. His comments after 8A were really weird. They seemed like he still kind of has one foot out the door. And maybe, potentially, um, he hops on the portal as soon as it opens on the 15th. Or maybe he waits for Auburn Auburn to land a quarterback, then he hops in the portal. It was always rumored and always assumed 
that TJ Finley was going to leave after the spring because he's graduating. I think he's on pace or on track to graduate at the end of the spring. I don't expect him to be on the roster by the time we get to June. And to be honest, I don't really see the benefit of him waiting because Auburn's going to get a quarterback. Like that that is you could put your bank account on I still on think that. Auburn's going to try to get two. Yeah. So I don't see the reason for him to hang around and give it a week before he enters the portal. Get in there because for TJ Finley's benefit and for any of their benefit, get in that thing on on Saturday. Get your name in the portal. If you are if you know you're going to enter the transfer portal, I don't see the benefit of waiting around because the longer you're in there, the more time people have to find you, the more time people and programs have to reach out to you, mm-hmm. and the more time you have to have options to reach out and, and figure out where you want to go. And so, yeah, I think TJ Finley will be one of those guys. I think he should. I uh, just, even if Auburn didn't get a quarterback out of the portal, I don't think he starts on this team. I just don't think he starts on the three guys that are in the rotation right now. And so, given that, and given the fact that Auburn is going to get a guy out of the portal, there is no reason for TJ Finley to still be on this roster after spring. There's just no reason for it. He's not going to play here. He can go and play somewhere else. I think you'll see that. And and again, it's just so tough with this new transfer portal window for Auburn or for college football where they moved it from May 1st to 15th, from April 15th to 30th. It's still the same amount of days, but we've already said it. There are spring games happening on Saturday. Like and, and Trey mentioned it too. Brian Kelly at LSU has to figure out what in the world's going on because the transfer portal will be open and they're still practicing in the spring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, a lot of them you'll see. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I, I it's. I just you, don't you like might it. have guys have a bad day in practice or get chewed out by a coach at some of these schools and could hop in the portal and. Wow, wouldn't that be interesting? That's going to happen at some point with this new date. You know what? I didn't like how you said that. Bye. And that's how it's going to go. Not everybody, and it's going to be pretty wouldn't rare, be something? but you it could happen. Out and you're like, you know what, coach? I'm in the portal. Yeah. See ya. See you later. Walk off the field. And it's going to happen. <laughs> Whether we hear about it or not, it'll happen somewhere. There's no doubt about it. It's just, it's not fair, I don't think. It's not fair to the coaches. It's not fair to the players. It's not fair to these programs. I don't know why they moved it. I'm, I'm sure the NCAA has no good reason for it, but I'm sure I, – I just don't know. I don't know why they moved it. And if somebody's got that reason, tell me. Or if you have a reason in your own mind, let us know. Because it just doesn't make any sense that they would move it up the way that they did. And I just don't see it as as equal and fair to players, coaches, and programs who are having to – Already, think about the coaches and what they have to to work with now and what they have to handle, NIL and transfer portal itself. Now you're having to deal with that portal even earlier and you're having to re-recruit your own guys every single day and there's going to be a two-week window where you have to recruit them and make sure you don't say the wrong things in practice or they're going to leave. Like It's just unbelievable to me. It really is. But Transfer Portal opens up on Saturday, April 15th. That's coming up in just a few days. We'll take our final break here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We'll come back, talk a little bit of baseball, Auburn, and the Braves as we wrap it up on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. 
Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. We'll talk a little bit of baseball as we get out of here. Uh, Last night for Auburn baseball, the pitching woes were there again and looked okay for a little bit. And all the way down to the end, it looked like Auburn may just win this thing in the midweek on the road at Georgia Tech. And then the worst possible way to lose, besides a walk-off walk, because those are really tough, a walk-off Grand Slam for the Georgia Tech. I'd say a walk-off balk is about the worst thing. Yeah, that one's one's tough, too. That's tough, too. That's a walk-off balk is really tough, (laughs) too. Walk-off balk, walk-off walk, and then a walk-off Grand Slam. Those are pretty crappy ways to lose. And that's how Auburn lost last night on the road was a walk-off Grand Slam for Georgia Tech. It's just, they just can't get their pitching together, man. Auburn is just, it's just a, a grind to try to find some pitchers that can survive and play a baseball game. Yeah, and meanwhile, Tech... Tech used 10 pitchers in this game. That's insane. 10 pitchers. 10 double digits, folks. Oh, my gosh. Auburn, uh, yet again, another game where they walk uh, 12 guys. That's part of the reason why you are losing games like this. Chase Awesome is having a really tough time. Um, Connor Copeland did all right in his relief. Only allowed one run over his two innings. You had uh, Heber Holes. He, He was fine. He was good, actually. Uh, and John Armstrong just kind of lost it there in the tenth inning when he when he or in the ninth inning when he came in they go to Bauman Bauman walks somebody and they pull him immediately uh, and go to Will Cannon so both of your best relievers came in the game Cannon gets you out of a, the first jam but then he pitches his way back into a second jam and after getting it happened with two outs I believe right. He just, I think he just struck out the guy before, if I recall. He gets the final guy to two strikes, I want to say, and then I think he just absolutely hangs a breaking ball right over the heart of the plate. And the guy didn't miss it. No, he did not. Miss it at all. <laughs> he did not miss it. He got every piece of it. And Georgia Tech walks off with a grand slam. Our, our wonderful intern, Jenny, came in today wearing all Georgia Tech, screaming Georgia Tech, saying Auburn is terrible, Auburn is horrible. Uh, she has been talking trash during the break every single every single second today talking about Georgia Tech and how just wonderful they are. And, uh, yeah, she, she may or may not be fired today. But – Auburn loses at Georgia Tech. They've got a road series at Alabama this weekend. I just don't even know what to expect. I I really, really don't because Auburn's going to score. Auburn's going to score. It's just whether they can score 15 or not. Yeah. And Alabama is solid. I mean, they've they've shown that. And so I I don't even know what to expect for Auburn baseball this weekend. I I don't know. I, I'm speechless, really, because I just don't know what to expect because you just have no confidence right now in the pitching staff as a whole because of what has happened to them, the injuries they've had to overcome, and the woes that these games are are giving them. I mean, at some point, you, you hope this doesn't happen, but at some point, does the pitching staff just kind of give up? I mean, you can't. You got to. You're always these. All these guys are trying to get better. They're trying to. Um, I mean, their dreams are to play professionally, and you you got to develop. Um, yeah. But I mean, if you get in your own head, it's hard to break out of that. And I think that's what this Auburn team is struggling with. 
they can't find the strike zone. And the strike zone's been a little, it sounds like it's been a little bit tighter in college baseball this year. Uh, it was a big talking point on the broadcast was how it's just a little tighter everywhere, but Auburn cannot continue to walk 10, 12, 13 guys a game. This Auburn team will not, they won't play in Hoover if they keep doing it. And you, you have to finish in the top 12 out of 14 teams in this league to go to Hoover. So they won't be in that those 12 if they don't stop walking guys. Auburn baseball has got to figure it out. Hey, tomorrow we'll have Lindsey Crosby on the show to talk Auburn baseball and the Atlanta Braves 2-4 to four, right here on ESPN 106.7. Until tomorrow, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.